Hi everyone, welcome to the Making Learning Visible podcast. I'm Betsy Flynn and I'm here with my co-host Dave Blodgett, who in addition to co-hosting the Making Learning Visible podcast, he is the Academic Technology Coordinator at Renbrook. So today's topic is right up his alley. Take it away, Dave. Well, thank you, Betsy, and thanks to everybody for tuning into our podcast. Um, this is exciting to be doing doing this on a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and this has been a great uh, group that we've assembled here um, to work on this and learn about digital portfolios. Um, this came out of the strategic plan that had been worked on over the uh, in the last academic year, and one of the goals was to um, show, demonstrate, uh, try out student-centered learning. And this is a great um, example of that because really it is, is student-generated. Um, the students really own the experience, and so this was a um, a good example of it and a place to also teach them some other things that we'll be talking about a little bit here. Um, so the people who are, uh, because you can't see them, the people who are here uh, talking about this are Catherine Justice, who is our uh, librarian. Welcome, Catherine. Thank you for being part of this. Thank you for having me. Mm -hmm. Amy Ma, who is a uh, sixth grade teacher, English teacher. Um, and hello, Amy. Thank hello. you for being part of this. And, and Emma Berger, who is our music teacher, is uh, is here too and was an excellent resource for us. So thanks well, for being part of thanks, this. Thanks, Dave. What a warm welcome. <laughs> so why did we choose portfolios? Maybe we want to start talking about that a little bit. Um, the, the whole idea behind portfolios, maybe I'll just tee this up and we can all chime in, but um, really we wanted to have a project that gave uh, students a chance to do some reflecting about their learning. And in fact, the kind of portfolio that we decided to start with uh, really centered around that because uh, portfolios have a number of different uh, purposes. Catherine will probably be talking about this a little bit later, but having a positive digital footprint was another thing, another another way to add um, some learning about putting yourself out there in a digital capacity. And eventually, uh, this might become a showcase piece for students, for our eighth graders. Um, but really, we started the uh, started this as more of a formative assessment tool, a way to inform teachers about uh, the learning that's going on. And so when we first started, maybe we want to talk about our first sessions when we were uh, brainstorming and learning about this. Um, anybody want to jump in and talk about how that first first uh, manifested when we were getting together? Um, a big piece of it for us was figuring out what platform that we could use so that gave students control and that they'd be able to manage it independently and also be able to carry it with them after they left Friendbrook. Um, so we played around with several different platforms, including Google Sites, but we ended up using Weebly because that was something that we could give students ownership over after they left us. It was great to see your Weebly. Oh, yes. Yeah. Because uh, I had never oh, seen right. one before. Mm -hmm. And do you want to talk about that? Sure. A bit? Yeah. So um, when I was in my undergraduate program in college, it was part of the graduation requirement to have 
a professional digital portfolio to showcase myself as a teacher. They were just really hoping I would get a job, and it did help me get a job. So in, in addition to having a resume, I had a digital portfolio with videos and um, videos of me interacting with students, teaching, teaching things. Um, I had some things where I was performing. Um, and that's a big part of being a music teacher. You know, there's so much going on. Not only do you have to be a good teacher, you have to be able to walk the walk. So can you actually play an instrument? You know, can you sing? These are all things that, you know, you would assume would happen, but the portfolio gives that peace of mind to the people who are hiring you or looking at you for the next step to say, oh yes, this person really is who they've presented themselves to be. Mm -hmm. It's very powerful and um, very useful for people. Yeah, and it, yours was a is literally a performance portfolio. Yes, and that's it's a category of portfolio which is really the the showcase piece and giving students some insight to what this could be was mm -hmm. really useful in that it we're telling we we want we want to elevate the level of this um, to something that you'd be very proud to show to just about everyone. Mm -hmm. um, and then we kind of rolled it back a little bit and said, okay, now it doesn't, now what we're going to be working on immediately, it doesn't have to be perfect. You're not going to be applying yet. And mm -hmm. we said, this is going to be focused more on, uh, on the, on making your learning visible, on making it right. really. Thinking about your own learning, thinking about how you thought through a process, exactly. making sure that you're not just going through the motions, but you're, you know, you're really absorbing why you did an assignment and what you got from it mm -hmm. along with doing the assignment. So yep, Amy, so. can you talk about the content, how you, how they're going to choose content and how you're going to um, introduce this to the students? Yeah, I just want to um, take it back a little bit to when we first started talking about all of this. We looked at Emma's professional uh, portfolio for an, as an example to sort of get our, get our heads in the game. But we were really deliberate and meticulous in taking our time about setting the whole thing up and looking at platforms and figuring out our purpose and figuring out how we were going to talk to kids about the portfolios because I know that for me, um, being in the English classroom, I also teach them uh, leadership and some organizational classes. I know that there's no value if we rush the students into something that is just an initiative that adults want. Um, I felt very strongly about that. I wanted to make sure they had is, you know, scaffolded pacing, they understood what they were doing. So we were really deliberate in looking at um, the layouts and the possible possible content we could put in there. And we decided to roll it out with the sixth grade upper school foundations class, which deals with um, learning, sorry, learning styles, leadership, um, organization, executive functioning, sort of just organizing yourself for every given school day, um, all the things you need to succeed. And we thought that was kind of ideal because we could roll out a pilot program with these sixth graders and kind of refine the program, get it um, solidified for seventh grade, and then they could actually, as Dave mentioned, have that kind of showcase piece in eighth grade with the understanding that, as Catherine was saying, it doesn't have to be perfect. It's not about presenting you know, exemplar work for everything you put in. It's more to reflect on your learning. And then, of course, add in those, those really outstanding pieces toward the end. So... We moved um, pretty pretty slowly at first. We showed them Miss um, Berger's portfolio. She came in and did a demonstration, which was great because they could actually interact with one of their actual teachers and see how she used that professionally. And then we talked about different items they could put into the portfolio. But we started off with kind of the fun stuff, the design. We had something called the no-no page where we showed things that you definitely would not want to put in a professional portfolio. They loved that. Mm -hmm. And... 
from there we kind of moved um moved slowly into actually pulling from content areas and it took off kind of beyond what we hoped um it took off really organically the kids um really liked that they had an ownership of what they could upload maybe want to talk about the first project that that we had them putting um material in that was cross-curricular and you want to Sure. Say something about that. So we had a project that was um, creative writing combined with STEAM and art. So they wrote short stories uh, that sort of reflected the elements of a myth um, since we had just finished mythology in English class. And then they created a, an art piece and a STEAM piece that reflected some element of the story, some literary element. So it could be a character, a mood, a tone, um, some symbol from the from their stories. And that was actually ideal because there was a it was very little pressure. It was a creative assignment. It was, you know, thinking outside the box. There was really no right or wrong. So we sort of tried to get the students used to photographing the stages of what they were doing. Miss um, Justice came in and showed them how to upload, where to upload, to write a little blurb about what they were showcasing. And then we created, as a team, we created some simple reflection questions that could sort of be applied to anything, any project and the students reflected on different stages of what they were creating. Yeah. It was really nice too with that first project to have something that was so multidisciplinary and that involved so many different mediums. So we had them uploading pictures, we had them adding in written work, and so there was a big variety of what we were able to add in at that stage. Yeah, and that's when the kids were able to get their hands dirty and start mm -hmm. learning about the actual process of, of putting stuff into a, right. a digital space. Yeah, and then starting to make decisions about what it's gonna actually look like. So do you really want um, a giant paragraph with no with no picture or do you want mm -hmm. just all pictures? And you really, the students were finding a balance of how to make it look pleasing mm -hmm. and be informative at the same time. Right, we, we, we started talking a lot about design and about mm -hmm. the arrangement of elements, but the, the problem was that they didn't have any content in there to really play with that design. Yes. Yet. So, so that first conversation, I think in, in, in thinking back on it, it might, if for, the, for next year, coupling the design discussion with some actual content is, would be really useful. And one important first step we did with them um, to have them think about design was to show them a lot of different examples of portfolios so then they could um, see for themselves what they thought was effective, what looked professional, and um, that gave them a lot of inspiration for how to create the layouts for their own pages. Wasn't the first thing one of the first things they uploaded an autobiography to? Oh right, they wrote in the in the beginning of the school year. Sixth graders wrote a, a quick uh, autobiography piece, and they were able to upload that. And we sort of talked through the fact that that might be a really fun artifact to look back on as eighth graders. But if they decide as eighth graders, oh my gosh, I don't want to talk. I don't like Pokemon anymore. Or whatever right, right. is <laughs> the trend right now, they we'll could always take love that. Pokemon. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But I think also the fact that we did not, we were super careful not to be overly prescriptive. We didn't say, use this layout, you know. In, in the beginning, we sort of thought maybe, okay, an academic page, a music page, an athletics page. But as the project evolved, we realized that the students were seemed more invested when they could decide yeah. how to lay things out, where to organize their materials. Right, and we've seen, I think we're all kind of in the same place with that, that the more we default to let the kids decide what it is as long as they're mm -hmm. not going to get themselves in trouble and that it's being effective and if we can give them the feedback that we're trying to give them is well does that belong on this particular website when they ask us can I put this up well instead of just going to yes or no it's what do you think does it make sense to be there is this the best reflection of you and your learning 
that's really the that's the the go-to phrase we've been trying to uh, use with them and they're starting to wrap their heads around that I was wondering as you're as you're talking about this how this is going to be monitored is it something that advisors are going to do with their advisees or how is that I'm actually work? really glad you asked that because when <clears throat> we first heard the details of the strategic plan and we heard about this initiative I know that one of my first reactions as a classroom teacher, not just for, um, for English, but for these leadership classes, I knew that that was potentially going to be a hurdle and people might justifiably balk at that a little bit because our time is very crammed with really important, you know, classic assessment, all kinds of things that really matter. So I felt that um, there is sort of this perfect pocket in upper school um, pocket of time in the leadership classes and the foundations class where I felt like I was very comfortable and happy um, with this team spearheading that and that way, because I am an advisor and I realize that advisory time is not a time where you can kind of crowd other things in. Um, so we have been really careful about making sure that it is very user friendly for students and adults so that the bulk of the setup can happen in LLL, which is life learning and leadership class and upper school foundations and the digital portfolio team, um, the four of us can mm -hmm. jump into that class. So then the pressure is the pressure is off um, advisors and content teachers and they can just sort of do what's really helpful to the kids, helping them organize their content, helping them brainstorm might, what might be good. And then it doesn't feel like we're cramming too much into any given time or class. Mm -hmm. It's really giving the students the opportunity to you know, be in charge of their own portfolio. So it's not any one specific teacher that is monitoring them except their LLL or foundations teacher. Um, Everyone else is just trying to help them remember to take photos as they go if it's a project that evolves over time or to be saving drafts and, and to be doing things so that when they are ready to put it inside the portfolio, they have different versions of their learning that they can then reflect upon. Mm -hmm. And one nice effect of this has been that it's been an excellent opportunity to teach just some fundamental digital literacy skills to students like even just um, uploading photos, how to convert things to PDFs. And that's so great because then they can use those skills mm -hmm. and be independent when they are adding things to their portfolios. Yeah, most of, most of the teacher education about this, what we've been talking to the faculty about, we actually presented it to the upper school faculty a couple of weeks ago. Two weeks. Actually, yeah. Um, and had students help us with that presentation. They're, they were talking about their own portfolios, and that was fantastic. Um, what we've been saying to the teachers is you don't have to carry this as an extra thing to do in your classes, but do keep it in the back of your mind as you are going through various projects to remind the kids this might be a, this think about if you want to use this in your portfolio and remind them to do the documentation of the process. Right. Um, and then, of course, just encourage them not to just pick their exemplar pieces, but to pick something they struggled with and mm -hmm. then talk through it. Because we want this to be about growth. We want this to be about where we've come and how far we've come. So keeping it a balance of both of those things. And then, oh, did you want to say something? No, go ahead. Oh, finish okay. what you're oh, finish thank your you. thought. Thank you. <laughs> um, and just you know, thinking about the future. So this <clears throat> year we rolled this out with sixth graders. They were a particularly amazing group to work with, as everyone has agreed upon. Um, and so we're going to continue this with them next year into seventh grade in their LLL classes. We're going to hopefully introduce this to the rising sixth graders so that they will have a portfolio all three years. And we're also hoping to introduce this to next year's eighth graders as 
um, more of a performance portfolio to help them get into their secondary school choices. Mm -hmm. um, so lots of different goals going on, lots of irons in the fire. So reintroducing it to the new sixth graders, continuing it with the current seventh graders, and introducing it to the eighth graders in preparation for secondary school. We're and very at, excited. At some point, will this be introduced to the lower school? Is there a plan? In it's in the works. That. We're thinking about it. We had a great presentation by um, Kathy Green. She came in and talked to us about using a different platform with the smaller children. Mm -hmm. And we're very excited about it, but we're cautious about overloading faculty with um, lots of extra things. Mm -hmm. So yeah. being yeah. thoughtful about how we want to roll it out. So I think um, we're about to wrap up and just wondered if you had any final thoughts before we do that. I would say that it's just been a really fun team to work with. Um, it's a it's a very creative group, and uh, we're high energy, and it's it's been it's been great to uh, to dig into this project. To everybody being bringing something different to the table as far as their background, it's just been. Uh, fun to roll it out with this particular class too. They have they have really engaged with it, so it's one of the easiest pilots of anything that I, I've worked on. So, <laughs> from a personal standpoint, it's been it's been great. I agree with that. It's felt really positive. It's felt appropriately paced. Um, Betsy, thank mm -hmm. you for putting together that showcase of the different steam and art pieces and the stories. Because one thing we notice with this group is that they really take you know the minimum of what we what we give them and then kind of run with it and we can mm -hmm. kind of see them taking ownership over what they're doing so mm -hmm. while we're kind of cramming a lot digital literacy and positive online citizenship positive online presence and showcasing content work it doesn't feel like we are you know forcing anyone to you know, fulfill an initiative because no yeah. kid wakes up saying, I'd like to fulfill the strategic plan. <laughs> but they, um, they really seem to be enjoying it, taking ownership and learning, you know, faster than adults learn often as with the case with technology. So that's been great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And thank you for mentioning the Making Learning Visible Showcase, uh, which you can find directly across from Stedman Auditorium. And that's a visual representation of the podcast that we've done. So, um, the digital portfolio showcase will be put up um, soon and we'll go along with the um, uh, with our podcast. Great. Great. So thanks everybody for joining mm -hmm. this conversation and uh, I think this is going to be a great addition to that to that showcase and uh, maybe we can do one in the future on this to kind of revisit and see where we are in a, in a year down the road. Great. Great. Wonderful. Thanks listeners. Thank see you, you next time. Yeah.